to a live service that was preached over a year ago uh, at the House on the Rock in Lagos, Nigeria. It's a very powerful message, and even though it was preached over a year ago, the principles are timeless and have very specific application for our lives today, particularly uh, this last Sunday in January as we're moving fully into 2021. I want us to grasp these principles. So get your notepads out, get ready to come with me into a live service, a pre-COVID service. This is before the pandemic uh, in which we are preaching from a very powerful message entitled, The Grace for Your Space. Have you ever noticed that many of the futuristic prophecies in the Old Testament are written in the past tense as though they already came to pass. Futuristic prophecies, Old Testament prophecies pointing to Jesus, written in the past tense as though they already happened. So 600 years before Jesus appeared, Isaiah said, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. How is it that a prophet can speak of the future as if it were past? It's very simply that from God's perspective, he sees all of time at one go and the end is as clear to him as is the beginning. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. And he speaks of things that are not as though they were because from his perspective they already are. If God makes you a promise, he's not telling you what he's about to do. He is telling you from eternity what he has already done. And if you will praise him like you know that it's already done, it will accelerate. It will accelerate the manifestation of that thing. Come on and give God praise like you know that you know that it's already done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it takes faith and prophetic vision to praise God for tomorrow as if it were yesterday to celebrate your future as if it were past. But I am convinced that if we celebrate the future as if it already happened, that we will accelerate the manifestation of that promise in our lives. How many of you could do with an acceleration of the manifestation of God's promises in your life? Well, let's praise him like it already happened. Let's celebrate like the breakthrough already happened. The miracle already happened. Let's bless his name. Hallelujah. Just a few more moments on your feet. You see, the things of God must be received before they are had. This simply means that you have to get it before it arrives. Jesus said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, 
believe that you receive them and you shall have them. In other words, you receive them before they arrive. I'm not going to wait till the battle is over before I start shouting and celebrating. I'm not going to wait till it arrives. I'm going to receive it now by faith. Come on, house on the rock. Receive your miracle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, God, we bless you. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you, and you may be seated in heavenly places, just like heaven on earth. I want to seize this opportunity to salute and celebrate and honor the amazing gift of leadership that God has blessed this house, this nation, this region, this continent, this world, and our generation with. And I am referring to the amazing gift of leadership that is in our five-star general, our father, our apostle, the honorable pastor, senior metropolitan pastor, Paul Adafarison. Can we just give it up for the man of God? We love him so very much and are so grateful for his courageous and visionary leadership. And beside him, of course, is the epitome of virtue described in the book of Proverbs, an outstanding gift, the Honorable Pastor Ephraim Adafarison. Can we thank God for the first family of this great ministry? And it seemed like we're in a bit of an exchange program today because he's in London, I'm in Lagos, and it's all good. Can I hear an amen? Uh, Pastor Kala, what a remarkable gift uh, he is to the body of Christ. Uh, every announcement is a sermon. There's a nugget of wisdom in every announcement. Pastor GC, God bless you and all of my friends. Let's give it up for the teamwork that makes the dream work. Amen? The teamwork that makes the dream work. And of course, every time I hear Sammy singing, I uh, feel like I got caught up in the rapture. And I have to pinch myself to see if I'm still here on planet Earth, but certainly love this chosen and anointed vessel. Uh, thank you so much. In fact, the worship, I'm not sure if you know. See, perhaps if you're just used to things and it happens all the time, you can get desensitized and, and feel like this is just ordinary. This is just normal. This is happening everywhere. I want you to know this is not happening everywhere. This is a special house with a special anointing and a special grace for worshiping the almighty God. I think God comes to church here on Sundays. <laughs> can I hear an amen, somebody? <laughs> How many of you know God comes to church here? When you meet family and friends later on today, say, do you know God goes to my church? It really does. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I'm excited about being here uh, today. And um, uh, I'm going to go deep. Is it, is, it, is it all right if we go deep? Yes? Um, we're going to go deep, and uh, we are going to let God have his way 
I feel certain that we will leave here much bigger and much taller than we came in. I feel certain that we will leave here with courage and character and new capacities and abilities to make a profound difference in our personal space and in the world at large. Are you ready for a word from the throne of God? Are you ready today? If you're ready, say amen. I'm going to read in your hearing from Proverbs chapter number 18, Proverbs 18, and we will read the 16th verse, Proverbs 18, 16. And of course, I am reading from the authorized version, the King James translation of the Bible, and that is not for any particularly religious reason. It's, it's simply that I happen to think that Shakespearean English represents the golden age of English language. And I am infinitely more inspired by Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. I'm more inspired by that than look. It's the Lamb. He's coming over this way. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, truth be told, um, I, got, I got saved at 15 years old, and back then all we really did was read the King James Version, so I got to memorize hundreds of scriptures in King James language, and I'm probably too lazy to learn it in another one. Uh, so here we are in the authorized version, uh, Proverbs 18, verse 16, a man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. One more time, and I want to hear you read it out loud. A man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. I'm going to speak into our collective destiny from the subject, there is grace for your space grace for your space and I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to say neighbor may God give you the grace for your space amen and yes and before you're seated just pray with me perhaps lift your hand if you can and pray out of your spirit out of your spirit man pray out of your heart the word of God really does have the power to transform our lives and the entrance of his word brings light and helps us to see more clearly than ever before let's pray for that to happen today in the name above every other name Jesus Christ the son of the living God we pray for wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. We want transformation this morning, nothing less than a paradigm shift that puts us in a new position. In the magnificent name of Jesus Christ, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in God's marvelous presence. So I want us to first of all notice that the gifts and the callings of God are actually inseparable. They are like two sides of the same coin. 
For God has not called anyone that he has not gifted. And God has not gifted anyone that he has not called. The fact that you are gifted is evidence of your call. And in that respect, your gift is a calling. Mm-hmm. Your gift is a calling. Won't you perhaps say that with me? Say, my gift is a calling. Because gifts go with callings and callings come with gifts. Everyone that is gifted is called. And in the day that you discover your unique gifting and begin deploying it in the service of others, it is going to open doors for you and it is going to bring you into the arena of greatness. The arena of greatness. It'll bring you before great men. Now I do realize that there are other ways to read this text, that this text could be referring to your gift as in your offering, right? But today I want us to focus on the gifting that God has given you to serve other people with and to serve his purpose with. If you discover your gift and you respond to the call by deploying your gifts in the service of others, it will open doors for you and bring you into the arena of greatness. And can I be transparent with you today as a young child in the church? I used to admire people operating in the arena of greatness. And I, and, and I tried to define it, you know, what is greatness? And I suppose greatness is that dimension where you are mastering your craft and you have moved from talent to skill and you are doing your thing exceptionally well operating in your element and getting results. I would look at people operating in their element and getting results and think one day that's going to be me. Anyone here ever had that sort of thing? I thought one day that's going to be me. I want to get into the arena of greatness where great people are and where great things happen please tell me I'm not alone with that little aspiration yeah it was a secret aspiration at one stage and then it became a very public aspiration that young man's going places and he's he's trying to get into the right circles but what I discovered as I began deploying my gift and as I began responding to the call of God on my life is I discovered that the arena of greatness is not safe. It's not a safe place. It's as though we spend our life trying to get out of the, the goldfish bowl and when we finally get out and we're in the ocean, we realize that there are sharks in the ocean. There are killer whales in the ocean. There are stingrays in the ocean. There are predators in the ocean. 
The arena of greatness is simply not safe. And if security or safety is your highest priority and value, can I tell you now, you will not survive the arena of greatness. Best thing you could do is be as obscure as possible, as hidden as you possibly can, because the moment you make it to the top, you will become the topic of many conversations. <laughs> you'll meet haters, you'll meet tailbearers, you'll meet backbiters, you'll meet assassins, you will meet treachery, you will experience sabotage, abandonment, betrayal, rejection, and it's mostly not coming from the usual suspects, it's happening from the people least likely to be used of the devil in that way. All of this goes with the territory called greatness. And whether it's greatness in ministry in a church or greatness in business or greatness in politics, uh, it's simply not safe. There are predators out there, yes? And if it's not safe, then we have to become strong. Let me break this down. I know we are word house and we need some word for everything. Are you ready? When Jesus said that the harvest is plenteous but the laborers are few, pray that the Lord of the harvest send laborers out into the harvest. The very next thing he said was, behold, I send you forth as lambs in the midst of wolves. Now let's think about that. It doesn't sound very safe to me. In fact, lambs have no natural defenses whatsoever. Lambs do not have horns to butt you with. They don't have fangs to bite you with. They don't have claws to claw you with. Lambs are utterly and when someone sends a lamb into the midst of wolves, you are sending the lamb into a very unsafe place. And the basic fact is that without God, the lamb doesn't stand a chance. So when Jesus says, I am sending you forth as lambs in the midst of wolves, he is simply telling you that without me, you don't stand a chance where I'm sending you. I'm going to send you into toxicity, hostility. I'm going to send you into an environment that is uh, predatory, that is antagonistic towards your faith and your values. And I'm going to send you into that. And if you think you can make it without me, just remember the lamb in the midst of wolves. Which is why David, come on somebody, David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In other words, the only comfort I get in this situation is the knowledge that you are present with me and that you have the tools to fight off my enemies. That was David's strategy, his coping mechanism, simply knowing that God was with him. Now, 
I suppose today I am reaching out to those people among us whose Monday doesn't look or feel like Sunday. Not sure how many of you there are today, but some of us, if we were honest, uh, our Monday is a fight that actually we're going to leave this beautiful environment in which people act very nice and civilized and courteous, in which all you ever hear is beautiful words said about God and said about yourself. You may even hear people speaking in tongues, but tomorrow you are going to work in an environment that is full of profanity and obscenity, and you're working in an environment that is treacherous and difficult. I'm not sure who I'm talking to today, but see, all of us don't get to work in the church, and all of us don't get to choose our working partners. Some of us are working in environments that are absolutely demon-possessed. And if that's not true of your working life, uh, what about those who t- whose tomorrow, whose Monday morning will begin in a house that is full of strife and aggression and, and difficulty and testing, where you've got a mean individual, an aggressive individual, a difficult individual to live with in your house. If not your house, what about your community? I suppose what I'm saying is that our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday doesn't feel like a Sunday. On a Sunday, we are very safe. But on a Monday, we need to be very strong. Woo! And this is a tension. It's a tension. It's an important tension for us to navigate today. The tension between being safe and being strong. It's, it's a real important one here. Uh, it, it's so important that I, I'm taking a bit of time on it. Uh, there is a tension between keeping people safe and making them strong. And I think the ministry, as I travel, the leadership of the church is at a crossroads, so to speak, trying to navigate this tension because we've got to decide if it is our primary job to keep the church safe or is it our primary job to make the church strong. And those who've decided that my primary job is to keep the church safe are actually creating as many rules and regulations, uh, more than 613 commandments, uh, in order to try to keep people safe from the big, bad, ugly world. But then there are others who are saying our primary job is to make people strong and therefore they're saying, you know what? The big, bad, ugly world is real and you're going to go into it tomorrow and when you get into it tomorrow, uh, we're not going to be with you but God is going to be with you and you're going to have to be a stronger person. Wish I had some help here today. You're going to have to be a stronger person. Because there's only so far we can keep you safe. Is that making sense? So on a Sunday, we have spiritual safety and security. But on a Monday, we're going to need spiritual strength. 
because the songs are not the same songs uh, that are playing in the workplace. The, 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 the sounds and the tongues are not the same tongues. It's a difficult environment. Being a Christian in the modern world is not easy, ladies and gentlemen. Am I just speaking about myself or am I relating to somebody here today? That when the last amen is said and the benediction is over, you are making your way back often to an environment you would rather not go back to. But ladies and gentlemen, I've got a word for you today. I am praying that God will give you the grace for your space. Thanks for bearing with me through my introduction. I never preach a long sermon. It's my introduction that takes all the time. So, this tension between safety and strength is perhaps the most ancient tension in the Bible, and it started in the Garden of Eden. Everyone say the Garden of Eden. Yes, there is the origin of the tension between safety and strength. Revealed in the Garden of Eden, do we keep you safe or do we make you strong? And so let me show you it in the Garden of Eden. Now, you know, you know I'm, I'm, I can be controversial sometimes, right? Yeah? How many of you know that already, right? Okay, good. Because I'm about to do it now. I just don't want to shock you. <laughs> okay? I don't, I'm just about to do it now. So, we know that the land of Eden was in fact... A, a vast region, but the Garden of Eden was planted by God eastward in Eden. Is this making sense? So Eden is not the garden. The garden is not all of Eden. The garden is a space within a wider territory called Eden, God planted the garden there. Is this making sense? And God put man in the garden that he planted. Everyone say it's a safe place. Now, the difficult piece is that I believe that Eden as a garden was surrounded by a wall. Everyone say a wall. Right. Now, I didn't say it was a visible wall. I didn't say it was a physical wall. I didn't say it was made of bricks. I'm not sure anyone can see it, but I'm pretty sure there was a wall or at least a boundary separating the garden from the rest of Eden. We also know that an angel was posted at the entrance, come on now, to prevent uh, the man who had been cast out of the garden from coming back in and accessing the tree of life. Is this making sense? So if in fact you have an entrance, you must have boundaries. And if the garden is in one place and the rest of the land is over here, you have to have a boundary of some sort. Does that make sense? So in fact, th this, is, this is a safe place because it is protected, it is walled, it is a walled garden. Woo! Visible or invisible, it's a boundary. Now can I tell you that when people build walls, they build walls to keep danger out. Are you hearing me today? When you build walls, you build them to protect what's on the inside. Isn't that right? 
So if there's a boundary, if there's a gate, it is there. If there's an entrance, it is there to protect what's inside from what's outside. Yes? And yet, for we don't know how big the wall, how wide the wall, we do not know what sort of a wall it was, but we do know that there was some protection for Adam and Eve. In that respect, they are safe, and yet we discover that the biggest threat to their life was not coming from anything outside of the wall. It was coming from something that was inside the wall, something that was in their midst, a snake that was on the inside. Mm -hmm. And when you begin to look at your life, you're going to realize that your biggest threat is not coming from anything outside of the walls that you have built to protect yourself. It is coming from something that is inside. So now we get the tension. Do we build bigger walls or do we build bigger people? Because if we build bigger walls, it will protect us from what's outside, but not from what's inside. But if we build bigger people, a bigger person will be able to say to the serpent, hold on a minute, you're sounding very contrary right now. That's not what God said, and I'm not going to go with you. Is this making sense? And I'm here to tell you that God is in the business of building bigger people. Woo. He's in the business of building bigger people because there are some places you're going to go and there is nothing the church can do to protect you. You are simply have to, you're simply going to have to become a much stronger person to deal with the realities and the eventualities of your personal life. How many of you know I'm telling the truth? How many of you that are in the business world know that there's a whole lot of people aspiring to be rich and successful in business and they don't understand how many sharks and killer whales and how much treachery and predatory behavior goes on at the highest levels when you enter that arena and there's no one with you but God so now you're going to have to become a stronger person in order to survive that scenario see I don't just want to be successful I want to be able to survive that success is that making sense? We've got to survive our success. And if we're going to survive that success, we're going to need to become much bigger people. So here is this tension uh, right here in the Garden of Eden. I've made you safe, but you were not strong. So since we made you safe and you were not strong, then what we're going to do now is we're going to make a people uh, strong uh, and we're going to release them out into the world, but we're going to make them strong. This is very, very important. Listen, every one of us, every one of us has been through the tension personally in the natural maturation from childhood to adulthood. Isn't that right? What are we born into? We're born into a safe place where we are protected, we are fed, we are nurtured, we are covered. 
everything is done for us and we are never alone. We are never alone. All we have to do is cry and someone comes to our attention. That's the environment in which all of us are born. And for the first few years of our life, we are raised that way. But then something happens, ladies and gentlemen, right? Are you ready for this one now? What happens is called your first day at school. Now, on your first day at school, uh, mama is going to take you to the gate, or mama is going to take you to the room. And now she's taking you to the room. She's handing you over to strangers that you do not know and that you do not trust. And now she's turning her back and she's walking away. Now you realize that, that this is a different circumstance altogether. I was safe at home. Now I'm going to need to be strong. Woo! Wish I had some help, somebody. Because now, as a young child, you've got to navigate other children. Some of them are nice. Some of them are, are mean. Some of them like you. Some of them don't. Some of them are trying to hurt you. Some of them are trying to rob you. And you're on your own. And you're a little child. And mama has gone. We pass through it in which we're having to choose. Safety, strength. Safety, strength. Safety just doesn't last that long. And then you go through another transition when you've left school because after a while, school becomes a safe place because now you know everyone and now you trust everyone. But when you graduate, you're going to have to step out of that world and go into the workplace. And again, you're all alone. Your school teacher is not with you. Your school friends are not with you. You're having to walk into a new space, navigate it all by yourself. Now you have have to be strong. You can't be weak in this new world. You have to be strong because you don't feel safe. You're going to have to become strong. Someone say, I've got to become strong. Because unfortunately, unfortunately, the true price or cost of strength is your security. You have to give up your security in order to find strength. And the true cost, the true cost of security is strength. You have to give up your strength in order to become secure. Let me explain what I mean. What I mean is there comes a point where mothering is not mothering anymore. It's smothering. And when a child is smothered, meaning they are overprotected, they are not getting stronger, they are getting weaker. So the price of making someone feel absolutely safe is that you are robbing them of strength. Is this making sense? You see, in the maturation of a child, there comes a point, there comes a point where helping is hindering the growth of the child. So when you're born, mama puts the food in your mouth. She puts it in your mouth. And as you go along and you start eating more solid food, she still picks up the food and she puts it in your mouth. And then there comes a day where she says, the food is on the table in a bowl. Next to it is the spoon. And what I used to do for you, you now do for yourself. And if she's tough 
and she wants the child to become strong, she'll let the child cry and throw a temper tantrum. You can cry all day. I'm not putting the food in your mouth. So long as you've got two hands, you've got the food here, you have a bowl, you're going to put it in your own mouth until eventually you learn what's happening now. She's taken away that security so that this person can become a little bit stronger. Now as the days go on, as the years go on, eventually the child says, Mama, where's the food? And Mama says, the food is in the fridge and it's in the cupboard. What, you mean you're not cooking it for me anymore? No! Because you're going to have to learn how to cook yourself. Woo! <laughs> We're going somewhere here today. The day eventually comes where you say, Mama, where's the food? And Mama says, the food is in the shop. You go and buy it. And for the first time, she says, here's the money. But as time goes on, come on somebody, as time goes on, and you say, mama, where is the food? She's gonna say it's in the shop. You'll say, mama, where's the money? She's gonna say it's in your job. You better get out and work. Get out and work. Find you some money. Yeah, yeah. Which is, which is perhaps why when the children of Israel had crossed over Jordan and entered into the promised land, please notice virtually the same day, the, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night had disappeared. Virtually the same day, the manna stopped falling from heaven. Virtually the same day, their shoes stopped growing with their feet and their clothes stopped growing with their stature. Virtually the same day, all of the benefits that Moses enjoyed had gone under Joshua's leadership. Why? Because Moses presided over a baby nation called Israel. The parting of the Red Sea was a metaphoric picture of the breaking of waters and the birth of a baby. What came out on the other side of the Red Sea was a baby and all she knew how to do was cry. Hello somebody, Israel cried unto the Lord and when she cried, God intervened. But when Joshua took over, Joshua's job was not to babysit a baby, but it was to take an army into a nation to transform a country and you can't keep feeding people who are now old enough to feed themselves you can't keep clothing people who are old enough to clothe themselves. And so the withholding of those miracles was God's way of saying, I kept you safe in the wilderness. Now you're in the promised land. You have to become strong. You have to become intelligent. You have to become creative. You have to become industrious. You have to become disciplined. You have to organize. You have to plan. And you have to make things happen. Because I I am not doing it for you. <laughs> Can we get a little bit more shocking? Jesus called his miracles 
baby food. The children's bread. Baby food. You will notice the beginning, the genesis of any move of God is characterized by multiple miracles. Lots of miracles at the early stage. Then they fizzle out. Yeah, you'll see it. it every, every one of the moves of God, you'll see mighty miracles and then it starts to fizzle out. And there's a reason why it starts to fizzle out and there's a reason why there are so many miracles in the early stage and it's the story of your life. Let me tell you something. There was a time in your life where you would go to sleep in one place and wake up in another. How miraculous was that? There was a time in your life when, when you were hungry and didn't even know how to ask for food, but food turned up in your mouth. There was a time in your life that when you messed up, you were cleaned up in no time. And if we could have interviewed you at that stage of your life and said, brother, how, how, how are you doing right now? You would have said, listen, I am living in the realm of miracles. I'm telling you it's miracle after miracle. When I'm hungry, I get fed. When I'm thirsty, I get drink. When, 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 I, when I got wind trapped uh, all up inside of me, it, it, it just broken for me. When I mess up, I am cleaned up. And brother, let me tell you, it's supernatural. Sometimes I fall asleep in one place and by the miracle of transportation I wake up in another place don't even know how I got there I'm telling you I'm just living a miraculous life. But if we interview you 10 years later it seemed like those miracles have gone. It seemed like those miracles have gone and then when you realize those miracles have gone here's what you, here's your choice. Your choice is either to get in a prayer meeting and start singing, give me that old time religion and take me back to the place where I first believed you and what happened to the good old days of signs and wonders and miracles and let's try to get it all back. Or you can wake up and say, perhaps he has withheld these things because I am now at a place where I can do for myself the things that God used to do for me. <laughs> We're going somewhere with this. You know, eagles are born safe because Mama Eagle makes a safe place for those eagles. It's, it's very comfortable. And Mama Eagle will go and catch the food, get the food, bring the food to the eaglets, rip it up, and put the food in the eaglets' beaks. How beautiful is that? <laughs> Here comes Mama, let's rejoice. She got stuff in her mouth. She got stuff in her claws. Yay! Dinner time. But you know, the day comes when mama, mama comes home with nothing in her beak 
and nothing in her claws and a strange look on her face and a starey look in her eyes. And the children now are wondering, what have we done to upset mom? Because now mama starts ripping the fur out of the nest and starts taking the leaves out of the nest. Now the nest is not as comfortable as it used to be. Now she starts dismantling the very fabric of that nest until we're just clutching on to straws. And you know what the baby eaglets typically do at that time when mama starts to do that? Is they get together and plead the blood. <laughs> They get together, they start fasting and praying and come against the devil. The devil is a liar. He's out here trying to rip up my life. That's what baby eaglets do. <laughs> you know, and they start singing their little songs together. You know, uh, give me that old time religion. It's good enough for me. Take me back. Take me back, dear Lord. Mm -hmm. That's what they're doing. That's what the eaglets are doing. Come on, you know that's what they're doing, right? That's what they're doing. But Mama Eagle is not phased by those prayers, by those pleadings, and by those songs. Because Mama Eagle is singing a different song altogether. Mama Eagle is singing, I believe you can fly. I believe you can touch the sky. I think about it every night and day. You'll spread your wings and fly away. I believe you can soar. See, mama knows that you were born a baby, but you were not born to be a baby. And mama knows if I keep feeding you and if I keep helping you and if I keep doing everything for you, you are never going to discover the power that you really have resident on the inside of you. You'll never know the purpose of your wings. You'll never know what you can do until you are pushed into a situation, pushed into a place where you have no choice but to exercise your power and your dominion. Woo. So grace is amazing. And I'm convinced that God gives us grace for spaces. Yeah. I think about some of my Bible heroes, Joseph. And I ask myself, what, what must it have been like working in a pagan palace? I don't think in my wildest imagination I can envisage the culture of a pagan palace in the ancient world. Hello? I don't think so. I don't think a movie has been made, and if it has been made, you shouldn't watch it. The culture of a pagan palace, but Joseph is an anointed vessel and a gifted vessel, and God has put him in that place to serve his purpose. God was never going to put him there without the grace that would keep him safe in that space. Hello? I think about Esther, married to a pagan king. I think about this Hebrew, this, this Jewess, who's having to navigate through a toxic Culture, a demonic culture of a pagan palace. I think of Daniel 
how he served God in the palaces of devils, how his work colleagues were wizards and witches. And then I think about how weak we are. <laughs> Want to leave the workplace because one witch is in there. <laughs> Want to put in a prayer request to say, God, you know, say, church, pray for me because I need to move job. Why? Because there's a witch that has moved into the department. And I think, hold on a minute, Daniel's colleagues, all of them were witches and wizards. And I'm thinking something's wrong here, something wrong. Maybe we've had this diet of miracles for so many years that we think that this is how it's actually meant to be. Can I speak to the nation for just a moment? God visited this land with the unprecedented wave of miracle after miracle after miracle. And some churches are still, still the USP is this. If you're poor, come here and you're going to get rich. If you're barren, come here, you're going to get a baby. If you're unmarried, come here, you're going to get married. If, if something's going wrong, come here and miracles are going to happen for you. And that sounds so beautiful, but what it produces after many generations is people that don't know how to organize their finances intelligently. People who don't know how to plan. People that are not socially intelligent, not, not emotionally intelligent. They are not financially intelligent. They're not physically intelligent because we don't need any intelligence. We just need a move of God. So I stopped by to tell you that God has a plan for your space. I'm going there now. I, I, might as, I might as well go where I'm going. Are you ready? Are you ready? God has a plan for your space. Now let me tell you our biggest problem is that we are asking God to change the place. Okay? So my workplace now, I just found out that the, that the CEO is a member of the Grand Lodge. No wonder, no wonder I'm so oppressed every time I walk in there. We're just going to pray that God will cut him off and cut him out or that God move me to another place. Like, like you, you're acting like greater is he that's in the world than he that's in you. Come on, we got to stop acting like that. We got to start believing some of the stuff we sing about and some of the stuff we say that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I am not afraid of witches and wizards. They are afraid of me. So there's a witch in your workplace. Yeah, but there's a Christian in there too. Let me tell you, the witch is more frustrated by your presence than you could ever be by their presence. Can I hear an amen? Which is why God will send you into difficult places because you are the light of the world and you are the salt of the earth. You are not a thermometer. It is not your job to read the temperature. It is your job to change the temperature because you are a thermostat and God wants to put you in some toxic environments so you can change change the environment. Now watch this. Our problem is we're asking God to change the place. And we sound like Paul. I had 
had a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. And three times I asked God to take it away. And God wouldn't take it away. Instead, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And what that means is that when you are most vulnerable, I, that gives me the opportunity to manifest my ability. When you've run out of answers and run out of ideas and don't know what to do, that's the time that my sufficiency invades your deficiency. So here's what paraphrase God said to Paul. Here's the paraphrase answer that God said to Paul. Paul said, God, change my circumstance. And God said, I will not change your circumstance. I will change you. And you will change your circumstance. Oh, this is deep. Because I think we've got two groups. We got those who are praying that God will change the world, that God will change their world. And I'm stopped by to tell you, he's not answering that particular prayer right there. The prayer he's answering is, God change me so I can change my world. See, you are the one that's gonna change your world. I wish I had some help. You are the only one that is ever gonna change your world. Whatever is going wrong in your world, you are the only one that's gonna change it. And what God's gonna do is change you. That means he'll give you a grace for that space. He'll give you some power. He'll give you some wisdom. He'll give you some strategies. He'll give you some tools. He'll give you a vehicle. He'll give you capacity. He'll give you all sorts. But it's now your turn to make the most of your opportunity in life. That's effectively what God said to Joshua. He effectively said, now Joshua, under Moses, everyone looked up for food. He said, but what you're gonna do now is you're going to dig and plant and you're gonna look down for food. He said, you know, the generation before you, they didn't dig wells, they spoke to rocks. <laughs> and water came out of the rock. But I'm sorry, Joshua, you can spend the next 25 years speaking to a rock and no water's coming out for you because I expect more from your generation than I did from that generation. Can I hear an amen? What you're going to do, Joshua, is dig some wells. You're going to use the courage and the capacities that I have given you to make the most of this land, which is called the land of Israel. Everyone say, Israel! Everyone say, promised land. I love this and I'm almost done. <laughs> promised land. You know, if God told me, there's your promised land. Whoa, it's flowing with milk and honey. Let me tell you, I'd be skipping, skipping towards that promised land. Can't wait to get into the promised land. Whoa, the promised land. Woo! Milk and money <laughs> in the promised land. 
The only problem is there are Jebusites there. There are Perizzites there. There are Hittites there. There are Amorites there. There are Canaanites there. There are Ites there. There are giants there. The sons of Anak are there. There are strongholds there. There are devil worshipers there. There are people in there who are sacrificing their babies to Molech in this same land that I promise you. So if you cross this Jordan, you're not going to be safe, but you are going to be strong and your safety will be in your strength. Well, I'm sure you've been blessed by that powerful message. And right now it's time for us all to respond to the word of God. You know, God is calling all of us through the gospel to come back home to come back to him, to come back to our source, to reconnect with our creator. And that opportunity is available to you right now by your faith in Jesus Christ, in the sacrifice that he made for you. He paid a debt he didn't owe because we owed a debt we could not pay. And as we receive his offer of mercy and grace and eternal life, by faith, we come into a new realm a new zone, a new place. It's called the kingdom of God. And I want to pray with those of you that are making a decision for Christ right now. I want you to pray with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus Christ, I come to you now just as I am. I know I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive my sins and to wash them away with your precious blood. Right now I receive your gift of eternal life. I received your gift of mercy. And right now I receive the miracle of the healing of my soul and the miracle of a new birth. From this day forward, Lord Jesus, I am yours and you are mine. And this I have prayed in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to a live sermon at ICANN Community Church. We hope that you feel inspired, informed, and empowered to take your life to the next level. We want to build a relationship with you, whether you attend ICC or not. Of course, we would love for you to visit or even to join. But if that's not possible, we can still stay in touch. Go to our website at www iCanCommunityChurch.com and subscribe to our mailing list for updates on special events which may be coming to an area near you. Until next time, this is Bishop Wayne Malcolm saying God bless you.